0: Thank you. It's leap year this month, too. For 29 days this month. Oh, is it? Leap year. Yeah. Snap. We should have a leap year party. <laughs> Write that down. Leap year party. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. What are we talking about this morning? So, uh, today we're going in Corinthians um, chapter 1. Like you do. And, uh, similar to a couple weeks ago, I read this text and I immediately start asking these questions, like, why is it, why is it that, that the gospel continues to confound so many people, right? Why is it that it seems like some people are really grabbing it and some, others of us like are really missing it. Sometimes it almost feels like the more that we know, uh, like the more that's like in the way, you know what I'm saying? Uh it almost makes you wonder if it's like uh like the reason why we want supposed to eat that fruit, you know? The, the the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you know what I'm saying? It's because all gets in the way, right? So uh I live in this text and and uh you know, is that kind of what's going on here, right? Um this morning. Uh I would venture to say that Paul's not saying, Don't grow as a person or um uh, make sure you're dumb for Jesus, right? Uh kind of interesting you know, t-shirt. but um, you know but but maybe this is a, maybe this is a warning uh, yet again about not trying to become God ourselves right <laughs> large right uh, and in charge and uh, all-knowing right so I want to jump into some of this I want to walk through a little bit of this and see where it all goes Um, uh, verse 17, uh, I'm going to skip down to some of this. So Paul's kind of breaking down and talking to this church in Corinth and, and addressing the divisions that have been going on. And, uh, and I love what he writes in, in verse 17. Uh, and, I, and I think I've actually decided that this is going to be my, my new mantra uh, in life, actually. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power, right? I mean, come on. If Paul can preach without eloquent wisdom, right? That's my jam. Like that's my that's my gift, you know. Like like, let me be emptied out. You know, there's a place for us all. Uh, And uh, and so I I just love this. That's that's definitely it, right? I always think about what uh, what Saint Emily always uh, reminds us of. That uh, that it's not about you, right? you know you've got to be good friends with Emily. She's told you at some point it's not about you. Uh, you know it's like it's just a gift. Uh, and uh, but that's that's kind of what we're reminded of this morning. Uh, that it's not all about you. Uh, so Paul is here addressing in the church uh, these divisions that really drove wedges into the ecclesia, right? The gathering of believers here. And and I love this because it, it's really a reminder from the apostle himself. To just like not take yourself too seriously, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you ever do that? You ever just you ever just take yourself a little too seriously sometimes? Uh, you know. Never. Uh, yeah. You know. Look at someone this morning and just say, "Don't take yourself so seriously." Don't take. <laughs> wow. That would be really impressive. <laughs> Yes. I love the immediacy of some of you. Had someone in mind and it was like without hesitation. You're like, you know, Carlos, don't take yourself so seriously. You <laughs> move out of here. <laughs> get out Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, see if I preach in a row. Yeah, that's right. uh, don't take yourself so seriously. Um, yeah, it's, it's easy to do, isn't it? Uh, and, it's, and it's easy to, I'm going to say, it's easy to see it, especially on social media, right? Uh, like, Instagram is just full of people taking themselves a little too seriously. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a Zoolander, you know, there's just... There's just somebody on there just taking themselves a little too seriously. Like it's easy to do, and and the irony of it is that uh, it, it like it's only that only that part of us that takes ourselves so seriously is able to recognize uh, that part in someone else. You know what I'm saying? Because you like seen it yourself, like you're able to see like, hey, that guy's taking himself too serious. You know, it's like that's like when the other kids like that kid had his eyes open during prayer. you know, and like yes, he did. And, you know, anyway. <laughs> Like, it's, it's you, just, you point it out in yourself, right? Um, yeah, don't, don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, or you might get in the way of your own salvation. Uh, I, I love this uh, story in the Gospels. It's one of my favorites. And if you've ever heard me preach, you've probably heard me, like, reference it, like, 20 times. But uh, it's the story of Jesus and, and the rich young ruler, or is, that's at least what we like to call him. And uh, you know the story, and it's about Jesus, and he... He encounters this uh, this wealthy dude, and the guy's like, he has everything he wants, uh, except he wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay, sounds great. Sell everything you own, give it to the poor, and let's roll out. And the guy's like, smack. <laughs> you know, he's like, I got a lot of stuff. And uh, and then it says he walks away sad or downcast. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he says. Uh, that well-known phrase, right? It, it's almost impossible, um, right, to 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 follow to enter the kingdom of God, uh, right, uh, with with so much, essential right. And he gives this analogy, like it's easier for a camel, like we love quoting this, to go through the eye of the needle, right, than to enter the kingdom of heaven with all this wealth, right. And uh, and and you know the context. We've all probably heard the context about how they had to get, like, a camel to get down on its knees and an army crawl through, like, a little hole in the gate to get, and, like, they called the eye of the needle and all this stuff. Sometimes I can't help but wonder, though, like, we just, like, explain that so well that maybe that's actually a better analogy to just think about a camel trying to go through an eye of the needle, you know? Um, anyway, but we get this story, and I think this is such a necessary story and a necessary metaphor uh, for us as the people of God uh, where we live and in our time, uh, right? That, that, that we would find ourselves, um, uh, that we would be willing to, to be so small, uh, to, to become nothing, uh, to find ourselves on all fours, head down, butt air, crawling through a hole, right, to enter into the kingdom of God. Small, right, Small. I love how we have an Alexa at the, at the house, and I love when you whisper to her, she whispers back. Like, she gets down there with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it helps me feel like I'm not alone on some, some late nights no, shit. Um, Alexa, Alexa, what are you doing right now? Uh, so, sorry, I don't know where we're going here. I'm lost. So, uh, small. Who, who really wants to be small, right? Who really wants to be insignificant? Who wants to be nothing? You know, those of us who find ourselves this way naturally in life are just doing everything we can to get out, right? Uh, we're, we're doing everything to, to climb out of these categories, right? Uh, right, rather than find ourselves trying to enter into them. Right? There's a little bit of irony, right? It's almost like we've got to we've got to be willing to pour ourselves out. Like our cup has to actually empty out before it can be filled up again, right? Uh, no matter where you're at. And, uh, yeah, you know, speaking of cups, there's actually a really awesome cup that's going to be given away tonight at a super game, right? Anybody watching it tonight? Big one? Okay. Yeah, yeah, a couple of us. Right. We are Christians, right? You know? Uh, you know some of you are like, just not like, you know, I'm not going uh, You know? Yeah, there's, tonight there's going to be these two great Teams of gladiators, and they're gonna get out on this field, and they're gonna they're gonna clash, trying to get that cup of glory, right? Just all these these groups of fighters, and they're all seeking their own ring of power. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, I'm so lost. Uh, you know, it's like I don't even know who's playing this year. I actually, I can't even remember if it's the Hopses or Gollum this year. So, uh, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know who's, you know, I'm gonna watch it though because the commercials, right. but, um, and, you know, snacks. Uh, but, you know, it's just this, this great big, uh, thing that happens. So, um, increasingly, uh, and maybe you're already aware of this, it's fairly new, uh, new knowledge to me. But in college football there uh, there wasn't an uh, uh, like a college football championship, right, for a long, long, long time. There were just these bowl games, right? They had their bowls. Uh, they had like the Rose Bowl and the cock and the sugar bowl and the cereal bowl. I don't know. There's like so many of them. And um, and they would have one like in the South, in California, in Texas, in Florida, right? They still do, it. they still have bowls, right? It's like a thing, like you wanna play in the bowl game, right? It's a big deal. Um, but they're just kind of like and that was just it for a long time and so ultimately you're like what happens right uh the the, the powers at B right and the people they're like, but wait, who is the best team right like you know I'm like but who's better? Than all the rest, right? You know, it's like that burning question, right? Ultimately, we had to we had to quench this thirst, like and so. You know, we would create the national championship for college football, right? Because at because at some point, we're like, who who is at the top, right? Who is who is the best team, uh, right? And so uh, and so we kind of do that, right? Uh, and so conventional wisdom, right? Worldly wisdom. Uh, right? The kind of wisdom that, that needs the world to be in categories. right? Winners, losers, successful, unsuccessful, right? Uh, those on the top, those at the bottom, right? Uh, will always push for a championship game. Conventional wisdom, worldly wisdom, always takes itself a little too seriously. Are you with me? Like conventional wisdom always takes itself a little too seriously. Can you imagine, can you imagine tomorrow, right? Tonight game happens, they win, right? All of a sudden there's all this merchandise everywhere with a team magically on it. There's also some janitor in a back closet burning merchandise as fast as he can, you know, the other team one. And uh, anyway, and so can you imagine though, like they do the game tonight, whatever happens, tomorrow, like Monday, like the National Football League comes out and the NFL comes out, a bunch questions. And uh, now, which question? There was about 200,000 people in Miami to watch the game this year. I heard on the news last night. They're already there. Great <coughs> for the game. Dude, I believe it. I oh, hope well, okay. they are talking about a lot of people. So imagine, there are all these people in Miami. They celebrate. They go home. Tomorrow, right? the National Football League comes out and says, you know what, guys? We just really realized that. You know, we've been really taking ourselves too seriously, and uh, you know, we realize all this corporate, you know, greed and everything, and, like it's just gotten away. And so from now on, we're not gonna have a Super Bowl. We're just gonna, we're just gonna play. Like next season, we're gonna come back. And we're just gonna play games and have fun out there. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like, can you imagine? riots in the streets, you know what I'm saying? Like burning torches. Doritos would be bankrupt immediately. You know, it would just, it's, you know, it's just mass hysteria. Small. Verse 18, I want to jump back in the text. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will fork. Where's the one who is wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. Verse 22, I love this. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? Raise your hand this morning if you are foolish. Nice, nice, nice. Wow, Christian. Raise your hand this morning if you're wise. Oh, wow. I love it. Uh, raise your hand this morning if you're a liar. Oh, oh, okay. good. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. We'll take names later. So, uh, it says that the Jews demanded a sign. Um, can anyone tell me? Yep, the whiteboard, you guessed it. Can anyone tell me what a sign is? a sign, right? <laughs> Nailed it. Uh. Yeah, it's it's signs. Signs are typically like big and 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 loud, and they're they're telling us something without a shadow of a doubt, uh, right? It's uh, it's the proof that we've been seeking, right? It's it's a sign. Uh, it says the Jews were seeking uh, signs, right? But the sort of signs that the Jews were seeking. Uh, for the Messiah were big sort of Maccabean Revolt type of signs, right? Uh, The type of signs that that the Messiah would show if he was taken on the Empire back from Rome, uh, right, those type of signs. Uh, But then it said that uh, the the, the Greeks, the Greeks craved um, wisdom, right? I brought some with me. Oh, gosh. The Greeks craved wisdom, right? They loved it. They loved to sit in Athens, and just talk about their gods, right? They, they, they love their philosophers. Plato and Socrates, right? They just got just together and did this stuff, right? They, they talk about who the best God is and, and what God is like. And ultimately, the, the, the big one always is the one carrying the lightning bolts, uh, right? Paul says, a stumbling block, right? And then he says, Christ crucified, right? Christ crucified, Paul wrote, is a stumbling block to all to those looking for signs and foolishness, to those looking for salvation and conventional wisdom, right? Because ultimately, who doesn't trip over, who doesn't trip over Christ crucified? Who doesn't trip over a Savior who's crucified? Who doesn't stumble over that? Right? So how might we this morning be missing some of the message ourselves. Um, what might we also be missing today? Um, you know, the thing about smallness is you really have to be paying close attention to see it because it's small. It's little. It's kind of like the seeds we talked about a few weeks ago. right? There's another layer down to the kingdom of God. It's like inception, right? Uh, it's like you've got to get down another layer so that, so that you can find the core, and until you see the core, it's hard to see the whole thing, right? It's almost kind of like that. It's almost like you've got to get a, a special kingdom... Uh, glasses, like prescription lens. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta go down to Warby Parker, right? You, you actually gotta know somebody who works there. You know what I'm saying? And you go in, you do a second handshake, and then you wink your eye, and they they say, all right, and they take you out this back door. Like you go to the back door, and you go behind these. There's like a couple dumpsters there, right? And you crawl through this little, this other little door, and then and then and then you're like, oh, oh, what is this? And they they give you this prescription. Of these lenses, and they're called. I don't know why is this is. They give you these new these new lenses, and they're called selflessness. Selflessness. It's a cool it's a cool lens, right? I don't know how this morning that we've missed this the selflessness, as the central message of what the cross is about. Somehow we've skirted all around it, right? Thousands of pages of ink are spilt about the mystery of the cross, and somehow we're still bringing it back to conventional wisdom and signs, right? You see it everywhere, right? We've gotten... Uh, consumed by the ability uh, of the cross to, to do something for us, right? To, to heal us or, or fix us or make us better or to at least get us out of here, right? Uh, right. The cross is doing something for us, right? This morning I would venture to say uh, there are a couple problems represented here in the text. I'm going to call this first problem uh, the power problem, uh, right? Uh... This is when uh, the, this is the, the temptation of the sign, right? That that we would that we would try to make it into something that that we uh, wield, that, that it does something for us. That the cross is is ultimately a a, a, a temptation in the making, God this, this power. That, that that when we have enough faith, right? That when we are uh, healed or, or cured, right? Or or maybe when we just get the good parking spot at Lowe's, uh, right? Or, or maybe when we get a good report back from the dentist this week, uh, right? Or, uh, you know, when, when we when we bless the bad stuff away before we eat our grills, right? And, and ultimately, that we can hopefully handle snakes uh, without being harmed in our worship, right? At least occasionally. Uh, you know, like, the power, the power, uh, right? Or is that what the cross is doing for us this morning? Um, and this is often physical, Right? Uh, it often uh, this often involves our hands. Show me your hands this morning. I see that hand. I see that hand. And it, it involves our hands. This is my hand. It's a. it's a physical problem, it's a hand problem. Boom. That's good. Now I'm not saying Uh, What I'm not saying this morning is don't be in tune with the Spirit or that God can't heal you, right? That's that's not what we're saying. Uh, But sometimes we find that that we've gone down this road that involves us wielding God rather than maybe, I don't know, maybe a better way to frame it to be like God wielding us. Us moved by God. That's right. And so if the cross for you this morning uh, it's just your sign of power, maybe. Maybe you're missing it. So the second problem I'm going to call is the philosophical problem, right? This is the problem of uh, maybe uh, wisdom. Uh, this is conventional wisdom problem, uh, right? This is this is where we attempt to make it all logical, right? It often has to do, ironically, with about us uh, knowing uh, everything, uh, but but ultimately for our own personal gain, right? That, that it often has to do, ironically, about our own prosperity and our own abundance, uh, right? That, that we're going to see what the cross can do for us here uh, in this time, right? Rather than us bending low into the path of the Messiah, right? This philosophical problem uh, is, is when we need it all to make sense, that we want to fit the cross into our framework, um, right? Right? That we want to try and convert the cross into our equations and our binaries. Because that's, that's where we need it to be, in our binaries, right? Uh, to be honest, this is where, I'm trying to funny Trump, this is where like a fundamentalistic theology brings us, right? To, to get more concrete, right? That, that we find ourselves um, solving all the mystery of God, right? That, that, that we can solve all these, like, every, any biblical topic you can venture into. Like, we've got a solution for this, right? Ironically, uh, like, we, we spend so much time talking about how big and almighty God is, but yet at the same time, somehow, we can tell you everything about God, uh, right? There's just a little bit of irony, right? Uh, but I wonder if the irony is that the, the thing that God does clearly reveal about God's self, like, like the part of God, like what God actually does clearly uh, communicate about who God is, is that God is small. Oh, man. Well, We're getting tingly now. God spirit. That, that, that God, yeah, that, that God could be unseen. That, that God could be small. Uh, right? This, this path of, of selflessness. Uh, I I love this text in Matthew 11. Preachers love to quote this text all over the place, right? Jesus, Jesus says, uh, he's he's praying. He says, "I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them unto." Come on, thank you, yeah, babes. It's the only time in the gospel we say babes, right? (laughs) Like we no other text that we quote KJV, you know. And then, who are the ones who inherently get it? The little children. Hold a little baby. Look into their eyes and tell me you don't see something about the kingdom of heaven in that moment, right? This path, right? If Jesus is our rabbi and we are his disciples, then I would dare say that the cross is some sort of lesson in selflessness. Are you with me? There's this path of selflessness found here uh in all this you know that old picture i always think about that old picture uh and it's like you've probably seen it and there's like this great divide someone drew it right and like we're all here on earth and then way over there's heaven and there's this gap and the cross is just like this huge bridge, and all these people are walking across the bridge that is the cross so they can get to heaven right is that what the cross is i'll venture to say this morning. That the cross isn't something to walk on. That the cross is something to hang on. It's quite a different kind of posture. It's quite a different kind of relationship, right? Unless we see, unless we find, unless we hear the path, right, of selflessness, of smallness, we might just be missing the entire message that is the cross. Right. Verse 26, consider your own call uh, or kaleo, <laughs> if you are reading the Greek, consider your own kaleo, your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish. I love it. Paul's just like he's in late life. He's like optional, right? Whatever. But God chose what is foolish, you in the world, to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing the things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Right. So if anyone boasts, boast in the Lord. Right. I mean, it's kind of what's up. And so this morning, wrapping up, why, why is this message of the cross a stumbling block for so many? I'll venture to say this morning that at the core of all of this is love, and love followed through to the end leads to what? Death. <laughs> you want me to say life. Uh, if Joel usually would here, you say life, you know, because you know death doesn't get great too. That's right. It's the worst sermon ever. Um, It does, though. I mean, love. Doesn't love always lead you down that path Of, of surrendering your life for the other, of laying it down, of sacrificing, right, so that the other might live, right, to become small, so that the life of Christ might be big in you, right? This is what it's about. This is the lens, right? It's like that moment toward the end of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right, where, where Aslan dies, spoiler alert, uh, but, then he comes, but then he comes back, right, spoiler alert, and, um, and, and, and then he's like explaining why the witch didn't know that this was going to happen, and he said, well, you see, there was a, a deeper magic going on the whole time. There's a deeper magic still. There's something else going on here, right? There's more than you thought it was. Love followed through death always leads to life. This This is unconventionalism, right? This is unconventionalism. This doesn't make a lot of sense. It's foolish and a stumbling block to the world, but life to the rest of us if we can receive it. Can you receive it this morning? The temptation uh, is that the cross does for us something powerful, with our hands maybe, <laughs> or that it does something for us in our minds, right? Understand it. But I wonder this morning that the cross might first need to transform something else. Something like our hearts. And then when that happens, everything else gets transformed as well. Something about living fully alive has to do with the cross. makes sense? It doesn't make sense. sense. Right? It's unconventional wisdom. Old pastor friend of ours used to say, "Do you want to do something great for God, or do you want to see God in His greatness?" Those are two very different kind of postures uh, this morning. And so this week, I would ask you—maybe something to think about—is how can—and I have a party up there. We're just going to tear down here. How might we become small? How might we become nothing? How might we uh, find that in our undoing comes our doing? This morning, may you may you be found small. May you be Paul says it. May you be foolish. May you be despised. May you be lowly. He says, may you be not. And in so doing, find that you are as you are and as you are in the life of the one who is called I Am. Let's pray this one. Lord, I give you thanks. I give you thanks, God, for uh, the mystery that is the cross. Lord, we don't have all the answers. Lord, you have shown us a path. A path of selflessness. The path of love, God. And may we not become so distracted by everything the world will tell us that this is about stop love. May we find that we are shaped and moved and curated by the kingdom of God. May we be willing to be small so that your light may shine great. We give you this. In your name we pray. Amen.